Podcasts. Hello and welcome to this, the eighth and very special episode of The Road to Net Zero, a podcast from the Advanced Propulsion Centre. My name is Clem Silverman and this week I'll be bringing you sounds from the 15th annual Senex Low Carbon Vehicle and Connected Autonomous Mobility Show, or LCV CAM, which took place on the 7th and 8th of September. Coming up in this episode... That's the moment the cutting-edge aerial hypercar was revealed to the world. A snapshot from the APC's latest battery insight. UK approaching about 100 gigawatt hour demand um, by 2030. Why driving diversity, equity and inclusion in the UK automotive industry is so critical. If we want to be competitive and progress for the future, we have to uh, have countermeasures to encourage more women for STEMs and actually entering these fields of engineering which we need for the future. And clips from some of the APC's project partners exhibiting at the show. Because it's so difficult to get private funding for things that are unknown. And I don't blame people. When you go to them with an idea that you can do this, like you say out there, people think, oh well they can't be repaired, they have to be scrapped. It's very hard then, but APC has really facilitated that and it's been marvellous. But first, you can hear the hubbub and excitement in the background here as the show opened with a major exclusive, the unveiling of the aerial hypercar. Poised right at the heart of the UK government pavilion stand, draped in a giant silky red cloth, you could just make out the shape of the shark fins of this electric beast underneath. Years in the making, this low-carbon supercar was developed under an APC collaborative research and development programme and the unveiling marks the latest phase of the project, following on from the completion of the initial proof of concept for the hypercar in 2017. Here is Kate Seddon, Head of Stakeholder Engagement at the APC, to explain more. I believe actually back in 2017 uh, it, was, it was there as, a, as just a chassis and great that five years on it's been a project that's you know five years in the making and to have the, the car here you know it's obviously not just a, a really impressive sports uh, car it's got some great sort of uh, you know advanced low carbon technology in there brilliant to have obviously a lot of the project partner consortium members there um, so Equipmake and Delta Cosworth as well that have, have been you know big big partners as part of that project uh, to demonstrate the technology that's gone into that car as well Here's Chief Executive Ian Constance just before the unveiling. The has been with Ariel from the beginning of this project and uh, so to see it come together in the carbon is a great day for us. And if you want to know how much all that carbon fibre costs, you probably can't afford it. Available in two and four wheel drive, it has a lightweight aluminium bonded chassis structure and a full carbon fibre body. Built for exceptional lightness, the hypercar offers staggering performance, reaching speeds of 100 miles an hour within a mere 4.4 seconds, as Simon Saunders, director of the Aerial Motor Company, says. Our guiding principle was it had to be faster than an atom, and an atom is pretty fast. We'd hope for sub two second times to 60, sub six second times to 100. I mean, it is an immensely fast car. Hypercar actually stands for High Performance Carbon Reduction and it is a fantastic physical demonstration of how the UK innovation ecosystem can bring funding, insight and expertise together from multiple project partners to achieve outstanding results. 
A £6 million investment from the government together with match funding from the project consortium has brought the aerial hypercar to life. And it really stands out in a crowd, featuring on BBC Local News later in the day. Many of the project partners have gone on to achieve impressive commercial success on the strength of technologies developed throughout the project with notable examples being Delta Motorsport, acquired by Cosworth, and Equipmake, as CEO Ian Foley explains. The money that we got from the Advanced Propulsion Centre, we could match them with Japanese investment, early stage investment. That enabled us to get a product which enabled us to win uh, contracts from a major uh, UK bus operator. On the back of that, we now currently have a pipeline of £400 million worth of potential orders and that has enabled us to go to the stock market and float the business. You can watch the full case study video on the APC's YouTube channel and stay tuned to this podcast in coming weeks as we release further interviews from the partners on the Hypercar project. And after all the excitement had died down, I caught up with one of the representatives from the Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy to find out if she had enjoyed being part of the unveiling and what she thought of the show. My name's Joe Bray. Um, I am the Deputy Director of the Automotive Unit in the Department of Business. I have been um, in the role a couple of months now. Um, I'm really pleased to have the opportunity to come here today. Um, it's been an excellent experience. Um, this is a real showcase of the best of UK innovation and collaborative working and it's just so it's just so good to see the fruits of people's ideas and um, drive to make things work come together um, and I look forward to seeing more um, of this coming on stream. And as Joe mentions, collaboration and innovation is a big part of what the APC does. There were many government supported projects here at the show, both part of the UK government pavilion and those which were exhibiting independently. One that I was particularly interested in was standing outside and I went to find out what it was all about. I'm standing here outside on my steering pad at uh, LCV with uh, Autocraft um, who have this amazing pod um, which has come off the back of a lorry. Um, it's black and it's whirring away and uh, I'm wondering what's inside it and I've got with me Dr Sarah Ridley um, who can explain a little bit more about it but uh, Sarah can you introduce yourself and say who you are and what you do. Hello I'm Sarah Ridley I'm the engineering quality director for Autocraft Solutions Group and so I'm really responsible for delivering all the clever things our research and development department create and and have ideas for. And this the kit looks very clever. Um, I understand it's um, an output or a part of an output from the Recovas uh, project, which is uh, an APC funded collaborative research and development project. Um, just explain to me what, what you've got on show here and um, the benefits that it, that it brings to the automotive industry. Well, the shiny back trailer that you've just di discussed, our pod, is actually effectively a factory in a box. So what we can do is we can go to anywhere that EV batteries are and we can repair them. We can do a complete diagnostic test. We can take them apart. We can replace what needs to be replaced, having first balanced it to make sure it fits in with the pack. And then we can give it a certificate of health and a complete status once it's been put back together. And that's really important because what it's doing is it's stopping EV batteries having to go straight for recycling. At the moment, as far as we're aware, we're the only people who can do that. And because the population of EV vehicles is quite sparse and quite widespread, we can go to the batteries which means that we haven't got all the worry about transporting dangerous goods and all the things that are involved there. Because one of the, one of the myths, I think, around uh, EVs is that 
batteries are going into landfill and they don't last and um, you can't repair them but you can repair them and some and I understand that's one of the things that you can do inside here is actually identify which part of the pack maybe has failed and extract it somehow and then repair it and put it back in the car is that correct that's completely correct now in fairness there are some batteries that we can't repair um, and that's to do with the way they're designed but Recovas, which is the project that's been funded actually is looking at how we design to make them repairable and that's really important because theoretically it's a bit like a broom you can replace the handle you can replace the head and you can keep it going forever and you can do that with ev batteries as well they're made up of cells and modules and we can detect down to cell level which one isn't performing correctly or it might be something as simple as a broken connector but we can detect that too and then that tells us exactly what we need to repair and our system will actually bring the battery in and present it in the right orientation to allow it to be safely repaired. And it really is mobile isn't it? So, um, totally and utterly mobile. Is this one here off grid as well? Com you can all of our solutions are completely off grid uh, so we, you can plug them in if you wish but they are completely working off grid. So actually literally what happens is we put everything inside the container, we close it up, it has legs on hydraulic ramps that stand up, our lorry reverses in underneath it, it drops down and then it's off to its next site and we can literally deploy it in around about 40 minutes. Some Thunderbird stuff, isn't it? It is. Its nickname is Thunderbird. <laughs> I'm not allowed to call it that officially, but its nickname when we've been developing it has been What do you call it officially, actually? It is actually the Revive Mobile Repair Centre. Fantastic. And just explain a little bit briefly around um, what the funding has enabled you to do that you might not have been able to do otherwise? We're an independent remanufacturer so we are not part of a big group we're owned by private shareholders um, and whilst that means we can be really agile and we can think wonderful things actually to go to market with something so unknown to look for money to back us is very difficult. APC funding has meant that we could actually set our development team going and say right how do we make this the best it can be and we've had six patents from this. We are now in market uh, we have OEM manufacturers, so not just vehicle OEMs, but pack OEM manufacturers who are looking to us. And we are about to deploy this on the continent so that we can open a, a centre on the continent to deal with European EV batteries because we are the first to market. And we're the first to market because of the APC funding, because it's so difficult to get private funding for things that are unknown. And I don't blame people. When you go to them with an idea that you can do this, like you say, out there, people think, oh, well, they can't be repaired, they have to be scrapped. It's very hard then, but APC has really facilitated that, and it's been marvellous. Fantastic. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. You're welcome. Absolute pleasure. Anything else you'd like to add? Uh, what I would say, actually, is to anybody who's thinking about it out there, if there is an APC project you want to be involved with, do it, because it's been marvellous for us. Really marvellous. That was Dr. Sarah Ridley talking about Autocraft's solution for repairing and recycling batteries, part of the Recovas project funded by the APC. Batteries, critical materials and recycling are indeed a major talking point this year, and the APC has been doing some deep-level insight into the projected demand for batteries in the future and what role recycling will have in feeding the gigafactories making the cells. Over in the workshop dome, here is Luke Bates and John Regnart from our Technology Trends team explaining about the growth in the demand for batteries and the coming shortage of critical materials. The massive growth expected um, from last year to the end of the decade and UK approaching about 100 gigawatt hour demand um, by 2030 and the European region accounting for a third of global battery demand by 2030. This one's showing you how much lithium we'll need. Uh, globally, that's 
about eight times what we had in demand last year. Um, and you might have seen in the news that can be quite challenging to build those mines and also build the capacity to refine what's coming out of those mines for battery-grade lithium. There's a perception that in, in, in light-duty vehicles, BEV will be dominant. I think they will be dominant. But I think in some very small cases, like maybe large premium SUVs and vans, there is the potential for fuel cells. And we wanted to explore that question at the APC in a lot more detail. And try and um, mitigate that lithium shortage. Actually, fuel cells starts to look more attractive. Um, and so I think it's, it's a really interesting piece of work and it will be available in the future. And that leads me nicely into what reports are going to be available from the APC coming forward. So we've got our battery insight report coming in the next month or two. Third quarter three demand forecast will come around back in December 2022. And the XEV cost curves, which I've just shared from now, will be probably quarter one of next year. Please look out for those reports on the APC website. Following that session, I sat down in a meeting room off to the side of the main government stand at a roundtable with British Volt, UK BIC, that's the UK Battery Industrialisation Centre, and Ampty Power, to speak about battery beginnings and the challenges they are facing in meeting that demand. Here is a clip of Stephen Farmer, Innovation Director at Ampty Power, one of the UK's cell manufacturers, speaking about British battery production holistically. Um, I mean, our, our business goes back to the late 90s, where everything came from overseas, from Japan. Um, now we're sourcing materials from UK, we're demanding those tons of material to manufacture in, in UK BIC. And people are starting to wake up the fact that ourselves and British Vault are building facilities in, you know, that will be up and running in 2025 that, that are going to need thousands of tons. So, you know, we're getting more and more people coming to us um, who want to build out beside us. And that's not only materials, also in terms of things like recycling as well. So it's the whole sort of cradle to grave that, um, you know, has suddenly come alive. Still quite a lot of um, misinformation about that life cycle um, of batteries and, uh, and, you know, especially around the recycling piece, people still think it's going to end up in, uh, in landfill and things like that. Um, but actually recycling will go some way to help uh, mitigate some of the um, shortages we're finding right now. I think um, the demand piece that you had recently um, released, Luke, at the APC uh, touched a bit on that. But um, can you explain a little bit how, how far away we are from that entering the, uh, sort of, uh, the, the stream of uh, manufacturing? Yeah, so I think at the moment recycling, well I heard, I watched the presentations this morning from UKB from British Vault, recycling at the moment is more important from a, a gigafactory or a, the production lines that are there, the scrap and recovering those materials that are already high value and for certain companies doing the, the, the testing and the industrialization, securing the, as much as possible that material that they're buying to test these batteries is important as well. Um, but from a long-term perspective, in terms of solving or helping solve lithium um, shortages, we see that end-of-life batteries will probably be the main feedstock in the mid-2030s, so not until then. Um, before then, it will be strategic moves like the likes of British Vault have done in securing recycling on-site with the Gigafactory and their plans to then keep that cathode-actor material and the high-value materials feeding in. 
That was Luke Bates there, again from the APC. And just to say, you can hear the full interview, including UK BIC Commercial Director Ian Whiting and Chief of Staff for Research and Development at British Vault, Karen Uranius. Please subscribe to the podcast to hear that in the coming weeks and for more great insights. Still to come in this episode, a whistle-stop tour around the show's SMEs and the amazing product innovations they have brought along. But first, another really important topic that was highlighted this year in a special session, that of diversity in the automotive sector. LCV 2022 saw a number of launches, unveilings and announcements, but away from the main plenaries and speeches, another important launch was being made. Not a vehicle or a piece of technology, but something that goes to the heart of the sector. This year, as I said, it will be, we will be discussing the DNI uh, report um, and the advancement of uh, equality of opportunity within the automotive sector, a topic with D, E and I, that's diversity, equity and inclusion. And what's being discussed is the publication of the Automotive Council's first report into D, E and I in the UK automotive industry. Those three things are issues of competitiveness and a vital matter for a sector with critical skills gaps that is reliant on attracting talent, often in competition with other sectors globally. While many automotive companies have programs that are helping, there is still a huge amount to be done if the industry is to be reflective of its customers and the society it serves, says the Automotive Council. Uh, so my name is Eman Martin uh, Venat. Uh, I'm responsible for political affairs government relations within Bosch Group and I'm also the chair of the DNI group uh, at the Auto Council. And uh, thank you for inviting us to the launch of the Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Report. Um, can you just take me through some of the recommendations from that and how you see the um, automotive industry as it is today and what you might hope for it to be in the future? Well, the automotive industry, as any other industries in the, in the technical fields, um, suffering tremendously that we're not really tapping into uh, the talent pools of uh, the DNI. There could be ethnic minorities, but as well as ma um, major problem uh, tapping on the woman talent pool. And if we compare the data which we have at the moment, for example, for the automotive manufacturing, we're talking about 16.2% workforce women. And if we compare that with Europe, our neighbours, they have 24.7%. And that really goes across the board if you compare it with the automotive aftermarket, the numbers are similar. So that means actually if we want to be competitive, and progress for the future. We have to uh, have countermeasures to encourage more women for STEMs and actually entering these fields of engineering which we need for the future. Currently speaking, we're lacking of talents. And we have 50%, uh, let's say, from the population not engaging uh, in the talent pool. So this is really problematic. And as we are talking about, you know, technologies like quantum computing, hydrogen, we're talking about electrification, and more and more we need new generation to come in and to step into these uh, good challenges. The net zero carbon agenda is one of them. So therefore, we need to tap into the, the uh, girls uh, to be encouraged to work uh, and also to enter these technolo technological fields. I am myself an engineer. And I have to say, unfortunately, the engineering itself lack on sometimes not great image. 
we think about blue collars, maybe plumbers. And I think the industry themselves and role, have to encourage role models to speak out and be actually also an, a positive example for the industry for these girls. Fantastic. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. Thank you very much. And that was Eman speaking about the Driving Diversity, Equity and Inclusion report in the UK automotive industry published this month. And so back into the exhibition space. Here's a whistle-stop tour of some of the amazing people who are taking part in the APC's Technology Developer Accelerator Programme, or TDAP, for SMEs. And I'm standing with the CEO of Oxford RF. Dr. Kashif Sadiq. So we are developing a next-generation ADAS sensor, which is Advanced Driver Assistance Systems, and we are doing the world's first solid-state 360-degree sensor. I'm Hansen. I'm one of the three co-founders of the Tire Collective. So at the Tire Collective, we're building one of the first devices to capture tire wear, which is a form of microplastic pollutant and also a form of air pollution. So today at LCD Cenex, we're showing our most recent prototype. Um, it's, it's kind of a box that sits behind the wheel. Uh, we're actually testing this in London at the moment. So this is the same prototype that we're testing. Uh, hi, I'm John Wright. I'm uh, with Enable Manufacturing. Uh, we're here today at the show to display our uh, innovative technology, additive casting. So it's a hybrid solution, uh, combining 3D printing with traditional metal casting. Uh, it's the best of both worlds really, so we get all the, uh, all the advantages that 3D printing can offer, but a cast metal part at the end of the day. Um, hello Clem, um, my name is Kieran, I'm the Chief Operating Officer and Co-Founder of About Energy and About Energy is a testing, modeling, and software company. And simply what we do is help companies reduce their reliance on physical testing and prototyping, because that is a very expensive process. And, and the way we do that is by turning a physical cell into digital model, and companies can start to move some of that research development into digital space. And the key thing is that in industry, a lot of modern platforms are used, but it's very difficult for a company to characterize that battery in a meaningful way so that they can utilize those software platforms to the maximum potential. Hi, I'm Jay Nagley. I'm VP of Strategic Relationships at Viritech. We've been going for uh, just over 18 months now. We're developing a new form of hydrogen fuel cell powertrain and we've brought a, what we call a unitary DC-DC converter. Uh, it sounds a bit technical, but basically up till now, a fuel cell vehicle has had two of these DC-DC converters. Uh, one for the fuel cell and one for the battery pack. We developed a unique product which can handle both of those, the fuel cell and the battery, control them with a single unit which cuts down cost, weight and size. And that was a short highlights package featuring some of the technology developers on the APC's Accelerator programme who are exhibiting at this year's LCV show. Finally, here's Kate Seddon again, Head of Stakeholder Engagement here at the APC, who has put in an extraordinary amount of time and effort into organising the UK Government Pavilion here at LCV to wrap up what was a fantastic event. Oh, it's been an absolutely great experience and you know, I'm sad to see it come to an end actually. It's been two days of just sheer energy and positive atmosphere. Um, we're so fortunate that we, we've got a great space here at the Senex LCV and CAM show. Uh, great to be part of their 15 year anniversary as well, celebrating you know, some really game changing technology both across low carbon vehicle uh, and also connected automated mo mobility. 
Um, and here at the UK Pavilion, we can bring all of those areas together. We had 10 pavilion partners this year um, who've all really got a lot of uh, beneficial uh, discussions and leads off, off the show, lots of opportunity to collaborate, a real opportunity as well for us to showcase some of the latest technology um, you know, that we, we've been able to support through various government departments and organisations. We're quite unique here at the show in the fact that obviously being part of the UK Government Pavilion we bring together a lot of the government departments and also the organisations who are really here to present a bit of a shared voice around you know, pushing forward and, and driving sort of like this transition to net zero. Um, you know whether that's through low carbon uh, vehicle technology and, and also a cam um, and whether you know people want some support around funding or insight um, policy support um, some guidance around sort of R&D um, or even down to um, you know we had newcomers this year we had the vehicle certification agency um, who were able to obviously advise around some of the um, you know automotive certification for the first time which, which has been brilliant um, and we've had a great show. It's been a really great showcase, um, the UK Government Pavilion, um, but this isn't the end of the road. It goes on the road, and um, you're going out to America next week, is that correct? That is right, yes. We're very excited that obviously we'll be pushing on as part of our international event programme, uh, which we actually deliver at the APC as part of, on behalf of the, the Department of Business, Energy, Industrial Strategy. Uh, we are heading out to do the battery uh, show North America next week, so we'll be taking it over to Novi in Detroit. Uh, we'll be taking the UK Pavilion there, and we've got a really exciting lineup of exhibitors there. So, 14, 15 uh, sort of SMEs that we're going to be supporting there and pushing forward again a lot of UK innovation and supporting them uh, really sort of uh, showcase their in innovation on the world stage and, and connect with the uh, North American market, which is a really key market for us. Really exciting times to be, uh, be in this uh, sector, I think. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Thanks so much for listening. As Kate mentioned, to hear how we got on at the Novi Battery Show in the US, or to hear more case studies on the APC's projects, and more information about our data and insights, please subscribe to our social, YouTube and podcast channels. We've got you covered. I've been Clem Silverman, and see you next time on The Road to Net Zero.